My challenge to us over recent weeks is about our pursuit of God, having a seeker's heart. And I just want to open my heart and tell you an experience I had this week just in that pursuit. And it started with these familiar words found in Psalm 23. The first sentence says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Let me give you that. NIV says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Shall not want, I lack nothing. Phrases that communicate that in God there's everything and more. And I race back in my mind to when I was just a child when I first heard that. I'm 47. I've heard it more times than I can count. And as I was seeking the Lord and processing that statement out of Psalm 23, the question I believe came to me by the Lord is, am I living that? I believe David lived that statement. He wrote it, but he didn't just write it so it would be in the Bible. He wrote it because it was true of his life. And the Spirit of God was just challenging me. Is it true of me? I mean, come on, I've been knowing about this, and I've been a Christian for many, many years. Uh, How am I doing in living the kind of life that just finds him as everything? Am I finding that fullness? And if that's true, then everybody on the other side of me gets the, the blessing of someone who is very content in Jesus. Not mixed up and messed up, but just solid because that's what he does when we find that he is our shepherd. We've lived in Oklahoma now for five years, and one of the things we love from day one is just how open it is. It's like you can, it seems like you can see for miles, and at night, on a starry night, it's amazing. And when I look at the stars, I'm just reminded of how great God is, and and I hear again that He is the creator of those stars, calls them by name, creator of this galaxy and billions of other galaxies, and yet he is willing to speak to me as a man speaks to a friend. He is willing to have a relationship with me because he's a personal living presence so that I too, like David, could reach a point to say, the Lord's my shepherd and I lack nothing. He's everything and more. He's, he's beyond description. That was David's heart. And David, David was at times a, a messed up guy, but he just kept running back to the Lord. David, who is written about in 1 and 2 Samuel and 1 Kings. David, son of Jesse, kept his dad's sheep. Started out then as a shepherd. Ends up being chosen by God to be the king of Israel. Led Israel was a military genius, was the greatest leader Israel's ever had to this day. Among his talent, he was a writer, he was a musician. So he wrote what is now called Psalms, and the word psalm is a word that has a musical meaning. So David would would be singing and playing, and, and the Spirit of God would grip him, and he would write psalms, the writer of 73 of the Psalms that's now in our Bible. An amazing guy, and yet at times, really messed up. Really messed up. But yet would always run back to God. Was the man that the Bible says found to have a heart after God. 
not a perfect man. Actually, just a perfect picture of an imperfect man who kept going after God. Who would recognize at times he had mixed up desires and mismanaged desires, but would come back to a desire for God. David is one who really understood this space that's in all of us. I want you to understand this. As God's creation, we're created with this void, this emptiness, this space, and only God can fill that space. You know it's there, and because of its presence in us, it's natural to seek to fix it. So it's natural to pursue what would meet that need on a daily basis. And what David realized is because of the space, it then creates us to chase, pursue, worship. We're all chasing something. We're all worshiping. It doesn't necessarily mean we worship God, but we're worshiping. We are pursuing. And David processed through the desires of his heart and life and found this this satisfaction in God until he could write, the Lord is my, he's my shepherd. And I lack nothing. That's how awesome he is. That's how he completely fills that void on the inside. David tried to pass this on to his kids. Uh, your parents can't serve the Lord for you. They, they know that. They try to just live it out, pass it on. That's what David did. And one of his sons, Solomon, he had to figure this out for himself. And so Solomon then writes that he pursued everything. He said he went after everything under the sun. Every indulgence imaginable. He went for it and he concluded that nothing of indulgence of whether it be success or in, in relationship would fill that void, that emptiness, that space. He said... It was like vanity. It was like wind. He, he said, I was trying to take wind and make it concrete. And it never worked. So Solomon, he finally summed it up and said, only God can satisfy your soul. That's Solomon's way of saying, the Lord is my shepherd. Like in him is everything. I've tried everything else and only God can fill the space. Only God can satisfy the soul. David is this guy who would pursue God, experience God. Matter of fact, in Psalm 73, and hear the, the word and the structure of the words, he says, Lord, my heart fails me, but you are the strength of my heart. And my portion forever. So he shows us again that maybe he's got some mismanagement of desires. And so his heart spiritually is weak. Or he is in intense battle. And so he's weak. His heart is weak. So notice he, he reorients himself and says, But you, Lord, are the strength of my heart. And you are my portion forever. It's another way of David saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I want to talk about those five words today. The Lord. Let's, let, let's take even 
at the beginning where he talks about Yahweh. In, in Hebrew, the word Lord is Yahweh. If we were to say it in English, you have to do it in two phrases. I am and I will be. We don't have one English word that can capture the power of, of this name, Yahweh. Not just the title of God, but the name of God because it's who he is. It's what he said to Moses to tell Pharaoh. He is the I am and the I will be. He's in our history, he's in our present, and he's in our future. He's everything and more that we need right now. Get that. He's everything you need. He's everything. He can do for you. Uh, beyond my ability to communicate it is, the, is the power of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The I am and the I will be. A music professor would close the day as people would say, see you later. You know, have you enjoyed the day? He would say, this is my response to the day. He would take a tuning fork, strike it, and it would create the sound of middle C. He said, you hear that? He said, that's middle C. It was middle C yesterday. It's middle C today. It will be middle C tomorrow. It's like unchanging. Everything else may change, but that remains the same. And he went on to say, that's the way God is. He is the I am and the I will be. He was faithful yesterday. He's faithful today. He will be faithful tomorrow. He is the Lord. He is Yahweh. The Lord is. The Lord is. Present tense. We're busy people. And hurry can cause us to miss this present tense almighty God. We're living out of all that happened yesterday, preparing for what's coming tomorrow, and we miss that the Lord is. Yes, he's in our history. He promises to be in the future, but I believe we need to receive this present tense, this presence of God, the, the now God, right now. The Lord, I am and I will be, is my. The present tense is now a personal impact. He is my Savior. I believe the message I'm saying today is a message for us as a church family. But it goes beyond the, the, the group and the Holy Spirit takes it and brings it right to your heart. And he's saying something to you. He's speaking something to your situation, to your life. You're sitting by people, people in front of you, people behind you, people beside you. And yet this message begins to connect with where you are, with what you're going through, with what you need. And the reason is because the Lord is a present, personal shepherd. Ezekiel used to tell the people as they came to the temple, I'll say as they came to church. He said, if you come in by the north gate, you have to leave by the south gate. If you come into the temple through the south gate, you have to leave by the north gate. Because he wanted them to know... In the temple, we are in the presence of God. And when we are in the presence of God, nobody leaves the way they came. See, the Lord is my shepherd. He's not a concept. He's not just a story. He's not a lesson. He's not just a Bible study. He is a personal living presence. The Lord is my shepherd. Man, that's good news. That helps me because it's important to know who's on your side. And the Lord is my shepherd. Now David's writing this. God's dealing with him to, to share 
you know, who, who God is. But his frame of reference was that of a shepherd. He was a shepherd. And he knew the job description. The job description of a shepherd is leadership. David led his father's sheep. And he's teaching us that God is our leader. He's not just this Lord of, of grace and, you know, and galaxies. He is my leader. Like, he will put light on my steps and direct my path and inform and empower and cause me to succeed. The Lord is my leader. The shepherd led, he provided, and he protected. David knew when he brought his dad's sheep into the tableland where he would get them food at the same place there were predators and the sheep were basically defenseless and so David not only provided the food they needed simultaneously he protected them from the enemy now in that David is showing us who God is who is your shepherd and this this is exciting your shepherd your Lord this personal presence, this living leader in your life is one who strengthens you because he nourishes you while at the same time he protects you. David in another place had a lot of enemies and he said, Lord, you are a shield for me. See, he's discovering all through his life about this shepherd. And when you read his Psalms over and over again, he's finding different words in different situations that all go back to this deep experience that God, very God, was with him, was enough for him, leading him, providing for him, protecting him, causing him to succeed. You see, I need to be like David and make sure this is true of me. True of me. Imagine spending your life and realizing you've chased after all the wrong things. So Monday, I go out to this place to pray because God's been dealing with me about seeking him. And at times, you, you, even where you are is, is part of what God is using to make himself known to you. And Monday was one of those times. And I was in a great place, great setting. And I sensed the Lord's presence. And these five words started being blessed to my heart. And I, I realized how comforting they were. And really, my experience with these words has been most often in a context of comfort. A comfort for me or me using them to comfort others who may be grieving Often, this is the psalm used in a homegoing service. And the Holy Spirit said, why don't you let this go from just comfort to a challenge? Because when you really get it, it should, it should provoke a thirst for more of him. It should provoke a thirst to know him like David did. David, wait a minute, isn't David the guy that messed up? Yes. See, the point here is David had a heart after God. He wasn't perfect he's the perfect picture of an imperfect guy who just kept going after God it's really amazing when you when you see the work of God and the pursuit of David and what all of that really means and David is is a guy who ended up fearing God more than anyone else imagine living your life where God matters more to you 
and anything or anybody else. What matters to you is what God sees when he looks on your heart. Man, God dealt with me. He said, David is the guy who had a heart after me. I said through my prophet who went and picked out David that man looks on the outward appearance, but I, the Lord, I look on the heart. And like I'm sitting here in front of you and talking, the Lord said in my heart, Ron, I look on your heart. I wonder if you'll agree with me about what I see. When the Lord looks on your heart, what's, what does he see? And in this convicting season I've been in, I had to say that the Lord sees someone who has an appearance of loving him more than he like really loves him. Doesn't mean I've had an aversion to God, a cold heart to God. It just, what I'm saying to you is appearing to love the Lord is much easier than authentically loving him. The Lord said, hey, Ron, what are you chasing? What are you chasing? I would ask that same of you. What are you chasing? What is like really in your heart? What are you going after? As I was sitting there, the next thing that came to my mind was my my nieces. They were in town visiting with us. Both of my nieces were adopted from Guatemala. And I was thinking about Anna. She's the oldest. She just graduated from Evangel University. And I remember back when my brother and his wife set to adopt her. The paperwork, the amount of time, dotting the I's, crossing the T's, finally giving, getting approval from the government all the way down to, to the cost. And I was reminded that Anna, my niece, she was chosen and work was going on for her to be adopted before she ever knew it. A distance was being traveled, a price was being paid before she ever knew it. When everything worked out and they finally were able to bring Anna home, They have talked many times about the first time she walked into her room. When she walked into her room and she looked around, she couldn't believe it was actually hers. And my brother and his wife, they kept saying, this is your home. This is your room. Everything in here is yours. And it's amazing, before Anna ever got to that room, it had already been set up. Before she even knew she would be adopted, the room had been made ready. So what I'm saying is, they pursued, they paid, they prepared. Now she comes into that provision, that blessing. Now the obvious, as I'm sitting there in prayer, is the Lord reminded me, he pursued all of us. I mean, he, he emptied heaven of his own son. 
and Jesus came the distance, heaven to earth, and then paid the ultimate price of his own life. And in that, he was choosing us before we even knew we would be chosen. He was on the pursuit of us. He was chasing us. And even through the cross, to his resurrection and the presence of his spirit, finding you when he did and where he did. Ruth, who's now 88, he found her when she was 10. You know when he found you. You know the pursuit that he went on. You know the condition that you were in. You know the feelings that you had. You know the sin, the shame, the problem. And he pursued you. He chased you down. And then he did his work, paid the price, closed the distance, and then he opened up a world of relationship and said, this is your room. This is your family. And like Anna learned to trust, to be settled in the relationship. Now, we learn. And as we're learning, we're tempted to pursue other things. We're tempted to get so invested in other things. We're tempted to follow passions outside of the boundary of the shepherd. And when we do, we find that Solomon was right. We're trying to turn wind into concrete. We're looking for stability. We're wanting our life to work, to function, to succeed. And we're trying to turn wind into concrete. And it does that. But when we pursue Yahweh, the Lord, the shepherd, then we find, yeah, yeah, it's, it's stable. It's successful. It's amazing. It's incredible. What are you chasing? What does the Lord see as he looks on your heart? As he looked on mine, I just had to say, okay, let me evaluate one more time using what John wrote to the church at Ephesus. Check your love for him. A second love, third love, that's, that's not just misplaced priority it's sin go after him the people that we talk to who get deep into issues and it messes them up it's all a pursuit it's a chase fill that space so if you've pursued other things and your life is messed up hey it's okay God is able to work with you as he did David. God is able to cleanse you. God is able to correct your course. God is able to realign you with him and his purpose. God is able to use you. God is able to bless you. Absolutely. Why don't you just meet me here and let's pray it through. What God is saying to this church, and he's been saying it for weeks now. If we'll pursue him, we'll find him. Because he's not trying to hide. He's not trying to be distant and silent. But I tell you this. David shows us that the one who sought after us deserves then to be sought after. 
Paul said, the one who apprehended me deserves it now. I would seek to apprehend that for which I was apprehended. So Paul said, this is what I'm doing. This is my focus. This is my intensity. This is it. We're building a new facility because we are gaining more children and they're going to be raised in a post-Christian America. And the best way for them to come into an experience with the living God and to grow up knowing that the Lord is their shepherd is to see people like you and me who have finally figured it out that where stability, success, real fulfillment is is in a relationship with Him. Hey, take this whole world, the song says, just give me Jesus. Now, you have to work through that in your own mind because there are some things of the world you say, you know, that wouldn't be so bad. But if you try to go after those things to fill that space, like Solomon, it's wind. You open your hand and there's nothing there. Matter of fact, the only thing is you may come back with less of yourself because we get invested in things and it takes from us the world exacts it takes from us the enemy is a thief he wants to take virtue he wants to take future he wants to take your talent he wants to take your time he is a thief just listen listen to the holy spirit say look i've chased you down i've chased you down i've come to where you are i'm just I'm just looking for someone who'd say, I'm, I'm confident in this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. That's a psalm that's just saying, he's, he's the shepherd. He's calling on some teenagers, some young adults, some moms and dads to just really pursue him. So I'm going to ask Susie and the team to sing this again. And, I've intentionally preached shorter so that you don't leave informed. I want us now to experience what we've heard. Some of you need the Holy Spirit to say to you, I am, and you've got something coming in the future, and you need to hear him say, and I will be. Some of you need the Holy Spirit to say, I'm here right now. Just to minister to your heart his personal living presence. Some of you need to move beyond just the group word to the word for you. He's speaking to you. He's talking to you. No matter how tough, how desperate, how weak you may, he's talking to you. He's saying he's your shepherd. 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 You have some decisions to make, he's going to lead you. You're trying to figure out your path, he's going to lead you. Trying to figure out a relationship, he'll lead you. Feel a little worried or fearful, he'll protect you. Wonder if you're going to have enough, he'll provide for you. Are you fearing someone? Is there anything that has your attention more than God? Let the shepherd overwhelm you. Let the shepherd overtake you. Let the shepherd so bless you. 
that it just changes your entire perspective. I'm going to ask this team to sing this. If you are unsaved and you need to say, Jesus, forgive my sin and become my shepherd. I've heard my grandmother say it. I've heard people recite this in different places, but I need you to save me and be my shepherd. I want you to come to the altar. I want you to come and just stand here with me. If you are saved, but you're gripped with a conviction, it's compelling you, it's motivating you. Psalm 23 has become more than comfort, but a challenge to go after him, to pursue him that he has so much for you. Then come, because I think that if I've heard it all from the Lord, he's about to reveal himself and he wants to reveal himself through the words you've heard. He wants this truth of Psalm 23 to become life. He wants this word from the Bible to become a personal word to you. So I pray that the Holy Spirit just draws us until we're packed in around the front. And we're just going to let him, the shepherd, express your faith, your perspective, your joy, your confrontation of the weakness in you, of your need. I'm telling you. Nothing inspires that change like a setting of worship where you declare truth right in the face of your need. See, I will declare. I am confident in this. I will see the salvation of the Lord. Where every emotion may disagree, you are proclaiming truth. You're going to release truth right in the face of the circumstance until truth works a freedom in your life because you're not determined by your circumstance. You're determined by the word of truth spoken to you and then you begin to release that in the situation. That's how you release faith. So I'm telling you, God, God wants to show himself as the good shepherd, the strong, faithful, Almighty Shepherd, as they sing, why don't you come and join me? Let's do it. I will remain this is it. Just come as close as you can.